Mr. <coughs> Mr. Faka. <coughs> Yo. Yeah, sorry about the delay. I was looking for my calling card, sir. All right, just um, give me two seconds, then we let. Okay. Welcome back from the desk of Lowe. Now, I have with me somebody very, very special to Detroit in my music collection and one of my favorite artists in general. Um, he's part of the reasons why I fell in love with Detroit hip-hop. I remember buying his album, Undeniable, in my teen years. And without further introductions, I have Fat Cat on the phone. Yo, yo, what up, though, man? Thanks for that cool introduction. Oh, no problem, sir. I gotta keep it all the way a buck with you. How you doing today, sir? Oh, man, I'm awesome, man. I can't complain, man. Oh, that's good to hear, sir. Um, I'm I'm curious, sir. This is a question I always, always wanted to ask you, sir. Um, how did you come up with the name Fat Cat? Wow, uh... The name Fat Cat came actually from back in high school. Um, there was a mechanic that I knew that he always fixed up my little car. And um, he always wondered, like, man, how do you always have money to pay to get your car fixed or whatever? So he's like, man, when the next time I see you, I'm going to have a name for you. Then the next time he saw me, he was like, man, call you Fat Cat. And the, the name just stuck. And you didn't have to play around with a bunch of different stage names before that? Once you heard that fat cat, it's like, that was it. Yeah, that was it, man. I was done. I mean, everybody just, that's what everybody called me back in the day. And, you know, it just came came from a nickname, and then I just used it as a stage name. It definitely stands out, too. Um, I bet you get asked a lot, a lot about the hip-hop shop. But I'm mostly curiously about is uh, the Rhythm Kitchen, because I remember that was the spot before the hip-hop shop. I was wondering if you could take me back to those times, because from my understanding, it was a Chinese spot called Stanley's. Yes, it was. It was uh, Stanley's, man. Um, on Tuesdays, uh, Maurice Malone, uh, the fashion designer, you know, that came up with the... Uh, you know, with the uh, hip-hop shop. That, that was after uh, Stanley's. But yeah, it was, that was started by Maurice Malone and uh, some local DJs, Terry Guy. And um, on Tuesdays, they would uh, let let him spin hip-hop in there. And, uh, you know, that's when people came and, uh, you know, had an open mic uh, proof. Used to host the open mic. And cats used to go there, man, and, and, and get on the mic, man, and... Eat Chinese food and <laughs> <on Tuesday. laughs> and then after and then after the hip hop shop opened after because but after, from my understanding it started in that rhythm kitchen. Exactly, exactly. Okay. Um, and Maurice got the brick and mortar spot uh, on Seven Mile Boy, the hip hop shop. Now I understand that you and the late great Jay Diller, R.I.P., had a group called First Down. I was wondering if you could tell me how that came about, sir. Yeah, First Down. Um, that was a group me and Diller had back in the day. Um, it was like crafted like as like a um, like a Detroit gang star. You know what I mean? Diller was on the beats, I was on the rhymes, and um. We just made joints, you know, like for the city back then. And um, we had 
recorded a song called uh, Front Street in the day with the homies. And um, it was during the uh, Hard to Earn, Gangsta Hard to Earn album was out. It just came out on a Tuesday. And I went to the record store, called Shannon Inks to go and, you know, pick up the Hard to Earn. And while I'm in the store, and the store was empty, mind you, while I was in the store purchasing the album, looking out the door, and I'm like, oh my goodness, is this gangster? Is this, is this guru and Premier walking in the door? <laughs> and it was. It was, uh, they was actually in Detroit on the promotional tour, you know, promoting the uh, Hard to Earn album, and uh, they was doing an in-store there. And uh, it was nobody in there but me and the owner of the record store. You know, I, you know, paid my respects, you know, told him who I was and I was, you know, he purchased an album, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm getting ready to leave. And uh, the owner of the store asked me, you know, like, yo, did he tell you he rap or whatever? And, you know, they was like, yo, you rap? I'm like, yeah, I do a little something. So went to my car, got a cassette, came back, uh, played it. And they was tripping, like, yo, this shit is crazy, man. Like, yo, this you? I'm like, yeah. So, um, they gave me a number. Long story short, gave me a number to call, uh, to pay their records. Called them, told them I'll be sending them a product. Week later, they called back, like, yo, I, we want to do a, uh, we want to do a, um, a deal with y'all guys. And, um, that's how we put out the, uh, the first Down album, man. That was uh, released on Payday Records. Yes, sir. I remember that. Uh, and then I also uh, remember when they were coming into the store, did they see you like actually purchasing the album? Like, yo, you're buying the album? Oh, shit. Yup, yup, definitely. And it's like, it's all about certain situations that you put yourself into. That's a very inspiring story, just going in there trying to hear, you know, some of your favorite rap and then they walk in the door and it's like, damn, man. And when the, the cashier said, yo, did he tell you he rhymed? Because you didn't even say it. You were just being humble about it. That's also inspiring. Yeah, I didn't, no, I wasn't, I wasn't think, I wasn't trying to. You know, that's kind of corny to me, you know, to be right up, yo, man, bluff, you know. <laughs> yeah, you, they I'm probably like, had it I'm a lot. Like that. But they also I pro- just was paying my respects, you know, keeping it moving. And <clears throat> when you were, um, you, when you and Dilla were over at Payday Records too, was this around the time OC released Jewels? Yo, at that time. Payday Records was crazy, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. OC, J. Rue Damager, Jay-Z, uh, uh, WC in the Mass Circle, Showbiz and AG. Um, they had a group called UTD, and that was with most Def and uh, two other people, like a Fuji-style group. Yo, man, it was... It was, it was they had a, a heavy roster over there, man, and, and you know they signed us. And, and then that must have been inspiring too. Did you actually have to like go into the Payday Records office too? Because I heard some stories about that place, sir. Yeah, we actually did, man. Um, it was crazy, man. I mean, it was you know because it was a subsidiary of Virgin Records, you know, uh, so 
yeah, man, that was that was a dope place, man. Came in, went in the uh, you know the um, conference room where they had the big you know big screen TV and the dope chairs, the long table, and they're drinking brews and yeah, man, that was dope. And then also too, you gotta remember too, like. For the listeners, like, this is before flat screens, too, so this was, like, bubble vision back then, I call it. Yeah. Um, that was before the internet. <laughs> yeah, before social media. Can you imagine if some of the legends, like, Guru, or, like, even Old Dirty Bastard on Instagram? Oh, my God, it would be lit. Or if, <laughs> <laughs> um, with, with that being said, too, you fell in love with music at a very early age, um, at the age of fourth, my understanding, too. I was curious on some of the artists that you ever heard of when you were that young, sir. Man. I mean, when I was a, you know, when I was a kid, it was, my house was always filled with music because my uncle was a DJ. And, um, I just used to, just remember just sitting, you know, sitting by the, you know, the, um, Component set, man. Just looking at the um, all the album covers, man. I just used to be amazed by just look, looking at all the album covers and just watch, just listening to my my uncle play music. It was crazy, man. But uh, yeah, some of the early stuff was like uh, Parliament, Funkadelics. Oh wow! You know that was just like real big. In Detroit, um, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of everything, man. It was um, just so much, so much different genres of music, man. Um, I grew up listening to it was just crazy. Uh, Killy Dan. Oh man, this, this, the list goes on, man. All, all the classics stuff from all genres, man. Can you remember the very first uh, hip-hop artist that made you like actually want to rap? The very first... The first time I um, seen Houdini, The Freaks Come Out at Night, when I first seen that, like, because uh, I was... Um, it was like, like a live video from the Fresh Fest, and the Fresh Fest was a like one of the first big hip hop concerts ever, you know, and it went all across the country. And Houdini shot the video, The Freaks Come Out at Night, while they were on tour. So we had a, a show called Soul Beat that came on in Detroit at like 2 a.m. on the weekends, on Friday night at 2 a.m. So you used to stay up to watch Soul Beat, you know, to see you know, videos. And, um, when I seen the Houdini Freaks come out at night video, I knew exactly what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. <laughs> I was done. I never would have suspected the, uh, Houdini to be, like, the, that artist to make you want to rap. Wow. Man, Houdini was one of the illest groups ever. Um, have you ever seen him live? Yes, I went to the Fresh Fest. I got that for eighth grade um, present for uh, eighth grade graduation present. Was tickets to the Fresh Fest. Oh, 
okay, so that wasn't on TV. I'm over here thinking it was on TV. You went and seen it live. Yeah, the live. video was on TV, but they were on tour at the time. So the video was like a live, you know, live shot from the tour. You know, I guess it was probably in promotions of the uh, album. I mean, in promotions of the tour, too. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Oh. I, I, I got to see them live, man. It was great. It was great. And when you were, done. and when you were coming up too, I understand because like people have to remember things weren't digital back then too. So you're recording on tapes too, and so you had to come with your A game and not. Um, when you were recording too, did you ever like have to like throw out a couple tapes because you were just getting the hang of it, or you always always came with your A game? Because everybody starts out somewhere, sir. You mean as far as um, recording? Yes, sir. Like when you were first starting out. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go to the studio unless I had everything together, you know, because the studio costs money, and that's just always been my method of recording. I mean, I'm not going in the booth if, if I'm not ready. Yeah, you, know, you, you do all the practicing and you know getting the lines together at home. But when it when it's time to go in that booth, man, that shit it, it should be like drinking a glass of water, man. It just should be effortless. <laughs> I like that, how you how you style it like that, too, because you definitely make it look like a, drinking like a glass of water, like the track door. Oh, my God. Oh, man, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, that come from, that come from, you know, listening to it over and over at home and getting the, and getting the, you know, and getting the, getting the lines together. Okay. Um, I understand, uh, you were just, um, checking your voicemail one day, and Pete Rock was in Japan, and he wanted 500, uh, 5,000 copies of the White Label, or was that some, uh, somebody else in Japan that wanted that? Because I heard bits and pieces no, of that the, story. Um, the company in Japan, they bought 5,000 of the, uh, dedication to the suckers the first day, which we didn't have. <laughs> so, they, so they sent the money in advance and we bought the records <laughs> but hey. uh yeah Pete Rock was in um he was in Japan and he had got he had got a, a white label cause we had like we pressed up 700 white labels and we just sent them out you know to all the you know tastemakers and DJs or whatever during that time and um, Pete Rock happened to be in Japan and going record shopping, and he runs across the record, and I have a phone number on there. And um, yeah, he he called the number off the phone, man, and um, left a voicemail. I got back with him. He was like, "Yo, man, jump on the plane, man. Come, come, come out to New York." So flew out to New York, man, and you know, he picked me up, and we went to his crib and we was just you know listening to beats man just kicking it man it's been my homie ever since and that let you know from early on that you had something too because for people who haven't been on the fat cat like for early on like he has a very history like within the 90s too like like a very well known history oh yeah man I mean I know I know a lot of guys man you know that's well-known, you know, guys in the industry, man. I'm fans of their, I'm fan, you know, I've been fans of their music and they've been fans of my music, but 
you know, I don't go around like, yo, man, you know, Black Thought, man, that's my homie and all. You know, I don't do all that. <laughs> You're humbled about it. Yeah, man, you got to stay humble, man. This is a question that I always wanted to ask you too, and I totally agree with these shirts I'd be seeing too. Um, what are, what's the feeling like when you see people wearing shirts of the top five Detroit rappers, and you see Eminem, Royce, Elzai, Guilty, and then Fat Cat? What's that feeling like when you see people wearing that shirt? Oh man, that's like um, that's pretty dope, man. That's like uh. Being able to smell your roses while you're still here, man. I mean, people, you know, just paying homage, you know, to the work that, you know, that we put in over the years. Yeah. And that's also, too, it's like uh, getting your flowers where you'll be able to smell them, too, because, like, that's the thing I always try to tell people, too. Like, you should always, like, it doesn't matter if you're a fan of something, too, if you like something, and if you ever have the chance to, like, tell them that, you should just tell them that, too, because you never know. Exactly, man. I mean, what's wrong with, you know, giving it up? And especially to, like, music, too. Like, um, one of my... <clears throat> I'll tell you how he found this album, too. Um, when I was discovering Detroit hip-hop, I always say this. Yes, I did find Detroit hip-hop through Eminem. But what made me really fall in love with, like, Detroit hip-hop was, like, the Jay Dilla, you, Frank and Dank, Guilty... Super MC, like, oh my god. And then, so, I remember, <clears throat> I was really into, like, um, I was buying, like, everything Detroit, like, the Trick Trick album, uh, The People Versus, Big Proofs, uh, Search for Jerry Garcia, and I managed to stumble across Undeniable, too, and, <laughs> um, when I found that album, I was just a teenager at the time, too, so, you know, when I'm hearing this music, too, I'm like, that intro door, uh, this is the question I always wanted to ask you, too, because I never knew that the history you and Jay Dilla had before that album, too, because, you know, you, oh, got, wow. <laughs> you, got, you guys had first down, and then as I got older, I was like, wow. So, um, that's initially your debut album, Undeniable, right? Yep, yep, yep. What made you, like, want to keep going after? Because, like, I understand Payday Records folded, like, you know, like, during, like, the 90s, too. But then you still came out of yeah, that incredible definitely. party of work. Man, I mean... Being from Detroit, back then, we always had a chip on our shoulder because we always felt like we was overlooked. So... Um... I just looked at it like it was another um, obstacle, man, that we was going to have to, you know, jump over or, 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 go, or step on it or go through it, man. So it just it just left it just left us with a, another a, another chip to add on our shoulder, man. So we just went in the, in, in the booth and you know created stuff to make people look like 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 y'all. Y'all missed out, man. We 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 know what we over here doing. <laughs> yeah. And would would you say too, like, um, your career would have went differently if uh, Payday Records hasn't folded too? Or you try not to think about things like that because your story just went the way it did too, and like you want to change the way things happened. That's a great question. I never even thought about that, but. 
Mm. I just look at it like it's all rich, so everything happened the way it was supposed to happen. Yeah. I like how you said that too, like it was all rich and I had to. I liked how you think like that. Yeah, man, you gotta, you know, that's how I look at it. Um, you actually, uh... Who knows, probably what if it would have blew up crazy and... And, and who knows, man, I don't know. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm happy with, with, you know, how it turned out, man. I'm, I'm you know, I'm ready to, you know, through music, man, it took, it's been taking me all over the world, still taking me over the world. Met a lot of cool people. Met a lot of artists that you know that that I looked up to, and they respect what I do. You know, still meeting people, making music, and man, I'm I'm chilling. And I understand too, like you're very very popular overseas too. Can you remember the first time you ever went overseas, uh, sir? Man, the first time I ever went overseas was. Uh, I heard you like, like 90, 97, 98. Oh, wow. First wow. time I ever got on a plane, I was going to France. Oh, wow. That's been a hell of a time to go on a plane just for the first time in France, just to be performing yeah. hip-hop, too. What was that feeling like? Now, like This is in the 90s, too, so you can only imagine that feeling. Yeah, uh, actually, I was going over to Europe with Slow Village. And we was opening up for D'Angelo on the Voodoo Tour. Wow. Somebody that you looked up to, too, you got to open up for them. Definitely. And during that, um, after I did my set, I'm in the, uh, I'm in the dressing room chilling or whatever. And, um, somebody's walking past the dressing room and they're humming the, the tune that don't nobody care about it. And then I look up and it's, it's Quest Love. You know, he was, you know, like tripping, like, you know, he's a big fan of, of you know, what we was doing or whatever. Because <clears throat> he was a drummer for D'Angelo on that tour. And, um, told me they was doing the OK Player Tour and they wanted, you know, they wanted me to be a part of it. So they uh, flew me out to Philly after that tour and, you know, rehearsed with the with the Roots band and, um, yeah, we did a, a 50-plus city tour, man, OK Player Tour. Wow, that's a long tour, too, 50-plus, too. That must have been a lot. I bet you were happy when you, know, you got a day off or two. Yeah, man, that was dope, man. It was it was dope, man. Um, myself, uh, Guru, Talib Kweli, Dead Perez, Slum Village, Bahamadia. Um, man, it was it was it was dope, man. Jaguar Wright, Jazzy Fat Nasty, um, The Roots was the you know was the band for everybody. It was dope, man. That was a dope time, man. You know, met a, met a lot of good people. Um, I understand that you had a good relationship with Big Proof. I was curious on how you met Big Proof, sir. Man, 
through for a very long time. Um, I'm at proof. I was on the east side at my homeboy's crib. Was proof went to Osborne. And my homeboy went to Osborne. He rapped too. His name was uh, K9. And um, Proof was at K9's crib when I came over. And um, he wasn't even Proof at the time. He was a, he was going. His name was Maximum. Okay. Yeah, man. We've been 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 rocking ever since, man. Is uh when you met Proof when he was going by Maximum too, was he uh hanging around Firstborn or Fat Ray? No, man, this was in the early This was in the early, early nineties, man, like ninety ninety one, ninety two. Oh wow. <laughs> Late ninety one was the year I was born too, so geez. I can only um were you? I was wondering too back then. Who were you listening to as opposed to hip hop wise back in ninety one, ninety two when you were first meeting Big Proof around that time, sir? Because I understand like that's when Daz FX was coming out. That's when EPMD was at its height. Like, oh my god, I I wish I could go back to that time. Man, we we was we we got lucky, man, because we came up, you know, in the golden era, man. When you know, it was Rock Him, you know, Big Daddy Kane, um, KRS One, Houdini, you know, uh, Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince was killing it, man. Um, Ice Cube, man, uh, NWA, man. It was it was a lot of stuff. There was a lot of good music being made at that time, man. It just was so plentiful. This is a. <clears throat> I was a sponge. I was just a sponge sucking it all up. Yeah, because, like, you gotta remember, too, like, this is, like, early on where people, like, because hip-hop wasn't that old back then, too, so everything was... Yeah, man, it was still new. It was still new. Um, <clears throat> we had artists from Detroit, too, man. Um, Friends Vince. Um, the Merciless Amir. Uh, Detroit Box. Uh, um, AWOL. DJ Los. Yeah, DJ Los and Easy B. Um, Chaos and Maestro, man. It, it was, like I said, man, there was a lot of good music coming out. And, you know, Detroit artists was, was making noise, man. Like, that was when, you know, Detroit supported Detroit artists. Um, do you think like Detroit should have a more unified rap scene in today's too? Like, because I believe that's it, that's where it's going too. Because you look at 2019 or even 2018, a lot more Detroit artists collaborated with each other. Definitely, definitely, definitely. You know, we just need more of that. Did you ever see uh, How Shoes smash a record against the wall before, sir? Yeah, definitely. That was his thing every Friday, man. <laughs> a record he didn't like, man, he would break it. He had a shirt. He used to wear a shirt that said, I break records. 
<laughs> Literally. Literally. Um, the very, I was curious too, when, um, you first got your very first vinyl pressing, do you still have, like, a like, something like that that you always hold near and dear to your heart? Because, like, vinyl's making a comeback for what I'm seeing too, but, like, I was curious if you ever had, like, a piece of vinyl that you pressed up during the 90s and that you still have to this day that you look back on. Oh, definitely, man. Definitely. I still have... I still have uh, original copies of the first down record, but, uh, the white label. And, um... Got dedication to the sucker, uh... Original vinyl... I mean, I still got, I still, I still got, I still got a lot of vinyl that I just, you know, still keep and listen to. Well, that's good that you still listen to it, too. As opposed to just, like, to having it framed. Well, I got double copy, so I got, I got one framed, and then I got one that I listen to. Ah, okay. I like that. I like that. I like how you have one frame too, because you can always put that up on the wall too, and have like a nice little collection on the wall. No doubt. You probably have a big collection. I shouldn't say little, because you went on to like <laughs> you went on to do like crazy things with your career too. Like um, when you were coming up, like recording the undeniable album too, because like that's um, your debut album, as you said too. How long? Did it actually take you to finish that album too? Is it true Dilla always wanted to his artist to do it one take? Do his no, do it at rhymes in one take? Well, I don't know how he did with most artists, but with me, you know, he um, all the stuff that we did, it was usually just one take. You know, because after I come out the booth, and I'd be like, "How that song?" He'd be like, "That's it." So, I guess that put a lot of pressure on other artists, you know, when they was with, when, you know, when they recorded with him, you know, because he got bored fast. Yeah. So you might, like I say, have it prepared before you get there so you don't have to keep doing it over and over because, like, most of the time, that first time is usually, usually the match. Yeah, it catches the producer's ear, too, when you lose, you get it right the first try. It's like, oh, okay, okay, you came prepared. Yeah. Um, do, Where do you get recognized the most, sir, Detroit or overseas? I was curious about that. I was very curious about that. About what? I didn't hear you. I'm sorry. Oh, where do you get recognized the most, sir, in Detroit or overseas? Definitely overseas. Okay. You get mobbed overseas too? Like it was like a crazy, like a crazy ride because you're just walking down the streets like, damn, I'm just exploring the city. Well, because it's so laid back over there. You know, people know you and recognize you, but, you know, they just, you know, pay their respects and keep it moving. Okay. Can you remember the craziest show you ever seen overseas? Because I understand, I understand they get lit overseas. Yeah, oh man. I uh, performed at the Splash Festival. It was like one of the biggest 
festivals in Europe, and um, you get a lot of a lot of dope artists on there. And um, Blast Festival is definitely, you know, one of the uh, biggest venues. Would you say too, like um, with Splash Festival too, like you get the opportunity to meet other artists that you're fans of too, and they know who you are. Like, does that ever like still like kind of like trip you out? Like when they come up to you and they like tell you some of the songs that you done? It's like, damn, yo, I listen to you. Yeah, man, that's always humble. Um, it's always humble, man. Like you know that artists you look up to and they're like them you know they be up on on your music um this is a quite well I'm trying to ask this to most of my guests too because this was an era when um this is 1999 to uh Rockus. do you have a favorite Rockus release oh man <laughs> yeah I know it's a hard one <laughs> man there's so many Records doing their thing, man. Yeah, well, Black Star, Most Death. There's the homies over there, too. Did, actually, I uh, did the Lyricist Lounge tour with them guys. Okay, I was wondering how how was that too? Because like uh, that Lyricist Lounge mixtape uh, album too. Oh, I was just listening to that earlier this day. It's funny how you said that. Yeah. Yeah, peace to Ruckus, man. But, um, hmm. I was definitely bumping, bumping, uh, there was so many artists on Ruckus, man. And I, I used to like, uh, uh, Punch and Wordsworth, man. That was my homies. Oh, oh, and that's like, uh, one of the underrated groups from that, too. They, like, that's, uh, People rarely bring those guys up, too. Wow, I'm surprised you brought those uh, guys up, too. Salute to Punching Words. Oh, just listen to them on Master yep. Ace album, too. Disposable Earth. Yeah, them guys are just crazy on the mic. Um, did you, uh, you, uh, Internal Affairs, that album is, like, probably, like, the pinnacle of, like, 1999. I tell you, I, <laughs> that album is, like, set to stand there, too, but, like, it, I still find that crazy, like, how Rockus didn't clear that Godzilla sample, too, and they still pressed up copies about that, too. Um, exactly. <laughs> it's like, what are you guys doing? Well, um, with that being said, though, I was curious if you ever had to come across a similar story about you wanted to clear a dope sample and, these, and like, the when the person wanted you to clear it, they wouldn't let you clear it? Uh, no. Um, actually, the only sample thing we had to clear was, uh, the day with the homies, the Joe Sample, and my wildest dreams. Okay. That, that, that sample right there had to be clear from, uh, Joe Sample, and that sample, man, they charged us five grand to clear that. Holy shit. <laughs> Back in the day. Yeah, nowadays it'll be like 25K. Exactly. Um, so you never have, you never came across like no sampling issues or anything like that, too. They just give you like. No, nah, man, Dilla, man. Back then, man, Dilla would chop that stuff up so crazy to where you don't, you don't know where he got that. <laughs> yeah. <stuff up. laughs> the greatest to ever do it on MPC. 
Exactly, man. It was like an alien or something. I was curious, too. Uh, did you ever enjoy donuts with him, too? Is that something you picked up along the way with him, too? Because I understood he loved donuts. Yeah, man. He always... Uh, that was that was his thing, man. He always had donuts, man, and, and, and burning that campus. Um, is there something like Fat Cat, like the people wouldn't expect that he likes, like uh, PS4 or like uh, Nintendo Switch or like hell, even South Park? No, man. I actually, uh, man, I'm, I'm in the I'm in the history, man. I'm a history buff, man. But uh, I'm, I'm watching Vikings, man. I watch Vikings on oh. the History Channel, man. That's my joint. Oh, okay, okay. I was going to check that out, too. So you like uh, history things, too. Um, you watch a lot of documentaries, Fat Cat? Yeah, man. I'm, I watch a lot of documentaries. And when I travel, man, I try to go to, you know, places that I've seen on the History Channel, man. You know, just just suck it up, man. It's, it's, it's a world out here, man. I actually, um, I was in Jenna, Germany. And in Jena, Germany, it was a, uh, a concentration camp there, man. And I actually went on a tour to the concentration camp. Oh, wow. And, like, it was obviously closed down, right? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Because definitely. Um, you were overseas a lot, too. Is that how that name Ronnie Euro came about, too? Because you were always overseas? I was always curious. Yeah, about man, that. that 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 name came about from uh, this guy in um um London. Actually, he started calling me Ronnie Euro. And that just stuck. Yeah, I was gonna say too. It's a good name for when you're overseas too. <laughs> yeah, 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 man. Ronnie Euro is pretty dope, man. I like that. So many different names. <laughs> different. Um, would you say too? Um, because you um, always seem like a person who seemed like he was very, very well with his worth ethic too, and takes his craft very serious too. I keep reading about this Catacombs album too. Can the people still expect that upcoming project? Like, I know you must have something cooking up, sir. Would you say, too, um, when you're putting out projects, too, when you're getting inspired, too, do you have to go through the city blocks, or do you have to, like, listen to certain artists to get inspired, too? Because that's what I was always curious about, on how you get inspired with your pen game. Well, um, just my life in general, man. You know, I could 
conversation I can have with someone can inspire me to, you know, uh, write or, you know, record something. But, yeah, man, I, I just listen to the greats, man, and, you know, keep my ear to the street. But um, I just really just do what I do, man. I really don't um, worry about what everybody else is doing, uh, what this guy sounds like. I mean, I just know... I just know what I do best, and, you know, can't nobody do me better than me, so I just focus on on what Fat Cat's been doing, and just take it from there. Have you ever been inspired to put together, like, a documentary about your career and as your career as an artist, sir? Or that's not the time you think? I mean, that's that's funny you mention that, man, because, you know, people have been asking me that, but I never thought about that, but I think that would be pretty dope. I, uh, you know, if it was done right. Oh, yeah, yes, it has to be done right, too, with your input all the way. Yeah, but I would definitely, uh, you know, love to do something like that. You know, hopefully I can, you know, my story can, you know, inspire you know, somebody to want to take it to the next level. Yeah, because I'll, I'll keep it all the way, Buck, too. You're from Detroit, and you got to go overseas. Mind you, I'm all the way in Canada, too, so I never even left my province, too. So I can only imagine, like, the like the overseas plane rides over there and the feeling of when you're landing on another continent, too. Like, that must be, like, an incredible feeling, like, coming from where Detroit is, too. Because from my understanding, too, Detroit... Um, it's a very, very humbled city, too, but I understand it does have its poverty, too. Yeah, definitely, man, definitely. I mean, I mean, just in the past four or five years, you know, it's been, you know, it's now, Detroit is cool now, but, you know, it's still, like, you know, it's, it's poverty is still real here, you know what I mean? It's, mm. But, you know, people don't really, you know, talk about that or, you know, focus on that. Everybody is really focusing on, you know, the resurgence and, you know, downtown. You know what I mean? But you go three miles out, you go a mile outside of downtown and, you know, you, you see a, a whole block with burned down homes, just one home on the block. So, you know, it's. You know, it's still got a long way to go. Yeah, but like it's it can it can always come together too because you just never know what can happen in this life too. One day everything w- could be like unified. It just all it takes is certain people to take those steps too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because you were always seeing, you were very Detroit oriented too. Um, you were the very first artist to put me on MC Breed on Shake Shake. To be honest, wow, man! You know MC Breed is, is from Flint, man. But he was like, you know, he was he was he was a legend, man. And it was an honor to, to do a song with Breed. Yeah, because you must have listened to him growing up, too, in the 90s, I'm guessing. Yes, yes, yes. Man, ain't no future in your front, man. That song was so huge. 
in Detroit where, you know, Bree can come and sell out arenas here just in Detroit. He was doing that back then. And then, too, he also collaborated with Tupac, too. So, like, that must be, like, even crazier, too. Because um, when I found him on your album, too, somebody told me that, like, you know, he collaborated with Tupac, too. And then, like, it just went on from there. But, like, you were the very first person to ever put me on MC Breed. Wow, man. I'm glad I could could, uh, be a part in helping you. You know, find out about that guy, man. His his voice was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was. He that like that that like it's like with, with artists like that too, like and them like passing so young too. Like hip hop, it's young itself too. That's why I believe that if you like something, just just love it to the fullest too, because you just never know in this life. You never know, man. You never know, and that's crazy because I used to. You know, just be like, man, your voice is crazy. And he'd be like, man, your voice is crazy. You know? <laughs> like, we we both admire, you know, each other's voices. And that's good that you guys had conversations like that outside the music, too, because that will always, like, live on with memories, too. Yeah, definitely, definitely, man. Um... So with that undeniable LP too, um, I understand there's two versions of that too. There's like the standard and there's like the Detroit edition with the bonus tracks too. I was curious, was that only a Detroit local release only that one, or is that just like the bonus edition uh, called the Detroit edition? Well, well, when it first came out, it was only a, uh, a local release, okay. but we just wanted to do something special for the city. Oh, I, never, I had no idea that was a local release. Yeah, it was just Detroit only. Oh, so is that why Dedication is called Dedication 2004 on that album? Exactly. Exactly. Wow. To think that I listened to that album all those years ago and I have you on the phone. Like, I'm still pinching myself right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, you also... Um, I never knew this until recently, too, because, like, I was real young at the time, and I never followed Fat Ray until uh, Firstborn put me onto him back in March. And when I did my research on him, um, I realized that he appeared on that album, too. And by the time... This yeah, definitely. He was on um, Red Alert. Yes, sir. And he was also on Polo shit, on Door. Like, yep, um, yep, yep. He did the hook on, uh, on Polo shit. What's your relationship with Fat Ray? Like, how did you meet him, sir? Man, Fat Ray is like my little brother, man. That's 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 been <laughs> that's been my that's been my dude, man, for, for, for years, man. Since he was a young guy, man, it's just so dope to see him grow into the artist that he's become, man. It's it's so amazing to see that. Yeah, he also has a like incredible flow too, like on Perseus too. I was telling him that too when I co-hosted the episode of Firstborn too. They got really into that album too, like the how Killer Versace rap too, and I like um, how you guys have that collaboration chemistry that like that's organic because like you guys obviously had a relationship before the music. I'm guessing. Yeah, definitely, definitely, man. You know. 
you know, he's always called me and, you know, asked me questions and I, I give him my opinions and, you know, my view. And, you know, we, we, just, we just always had an awesome relationship. Like I say, man, that's my little brother. Do you ever see proof, uh, I keep, uh, proof in that tree. Do you ever see proof empty a clip in that tree I keep hearing about, sir? Nah, nah, man, I've never seen them. <laughs> I heard about <laughs> Um, do you have any memories like that with proof that you would like to share? Like, something funny. It doesn't have to be, like, violent or anything like that. It's just something, like, wow, like, this guy is over here crazy, but that's my guy right there. Yeah, man, there's so many. So many crazy ass proof stories, man. <laughs> proof was a was a crazy guy, man. I mean, like I said, I've been knowing him for a long time. Man, he would just do crazy stuff, man. Like I I, I just seen proof. I just seen proof do crazy shit, man. Like. He's, 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 he's a lunatic, but he was a lunatic. <laughs> um, with you, like, um, being able to see, like, how people went out and have, like, international success as well with you, too, do you think that Detroit will ever do, like, a Detroit movie on how the hip-hop was came together in Detroit, too, with all of the... OGs of Detroit too, so like you guilty trick trick. Do you think like that would ever come into fruition, sir? I mean, you just spoke it into existence, so I'm sure eventually, you know, it'll come up. It just has to be, you know, done from a, a unbiased, uh, you know, uh, it just has to be done from a good place. Yeah, and it's like what you said too. It has to be done right. Like with like if somebody ever opposed came to you saying like we want to do a fat cat documentary, it's like oh okay, but it's got to be done my way. Yeah, I mean it has to be done the the, the right way. Um, with with you too, like having like you know relationships with people like Jay Dilla, um, Elzai. Guilty Simpson too, with you having an incredible discography too. I was curious on your intake on the streaming game nowadays too, because you came from an era where people actually had to buy your records. Exactly. Um, what's your thoughts on streaming, sir? I didn't hear you. I'm sorry. Oh, what's your thoughts on streaming? On on streaming. Yeah, so when somebody streams your music nowadays, too, because I noticed, like, Tidal, Apple, everyone, like, goes to that, but, like, only very few people actually, like, click that purchase button on there, on iTunes, or, like, Google Play, or Bandcamp. You were breaking up. I couldn't really hear what you were saying. Oh, what's your thoughts on streaming nowadays? Like, people, like, just streaming your music instead of actually hitting that purchase button. Oh, I mean, you just really gotta, you just really gotta, um, find a way to where, you know, that money goes right to you because, you know, with these whole new streaming things, you're not really, the artists really don't see money from that. 
Yeah, they only give him like so much percentage. You only like a hundred thousand streams get you so much. It's like, man, like that's why I love like Bandcamp because it goes directly to to the artist that money. Exactly. Have you? Um, I have two more questions for you, sir, and then I'll let you go because I understand you're a very busy man too, and I do appreciate this interview. Um, have you ever seen some of your LPs like? undeniable or like the quiet bubble go for like a ridiculous amount on ebay or something like that before and somebody showed it to you it's like what is going for two grand on ebay but but you but know i did hear uh the um the dedication of the uh first down the day with the homies vinyl was, was like a hundred bucks or something like that. Damn, it was a, damn. I still think that's a lot for a vinyl too, but damn, a hundred dollars for a vinyl too, damn. I must be feeling good right there because that's a work of art. Yeah, because it, it sounds different as opposed to like a CD or a cassette too. Like I know this vinyl has a very warm sound when you actually put it on the recorder thing. Man, it just... Yeah, it's just... It sounds so good. I, I just love... It's just a warm sound that you're not going to get from a CD or, or even digital. Yeah, that's very true. Um... This is a question that I ask all my guests, Fat Cat, and the reason why I ask this question is because nobody can ever answer this question the same because we're all unique individuals too. And I was everybody from Detroit who answers this question gives the most phenomenal answer too. So with that being said, do you have any words for somebody in a dark place trying to see the light? You can take your time on that one, yeah, too. I, I understand. Yeah, man. My whole, like, you know, when, when, if, 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 if you're going through hell, man, just keep going. Don't stop. Keep going. Because you never know what tomorrow may bring you. Yeah, man. You don't, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to be in hell, so you got to keep going. Don't stop. Yeah. That's very true. Because, like, you never know what you can accomplish. Like, look at Fat Cat's story, too. What he accomplished in his life, too. Once again, Fat Cat, I appreciate you being so humble and taking the time out your day for this interview. Is there anything that you'd like to plug in before I let you go, sir? Man, um, you know, just do 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 a little research, man. Check 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 about check on a, check on some Fat Cat stuff, man, and um, check me out on Instagram, uh, Fat Cat, aka Ronnie Euro. 
Um, just, just, just check the music out, man. That's that's what I'm about, man. I'm about, I'm about the music, man, and just, you know, doing the research. And once y'all listen, and if you have never heard of Fat Cat, I'm telling you, once you hear this guy's music, too, you're going to be like, oh my God, what have I been missing? <laughs> That's what's up, man. That's what's up. And with that being said, this is a very humble soul I have on the phone from the desk of low featuring my guy, Fat Cat. Oh, man, appreciate Appreciate you, Ken. Okay, bro. Um, I just stopped the recording.